Right now, though, we're talking about the Arms Procurement Commission. Uh, President Jacob Zuma established the commission to probe allegations of fraud and corruption in the arms deal. We're asking what progress has been made by the commission so far. I'm sure that, uh, like uh, the rest of us, uh, you're well aware of uh, some of the allegations that have been flying back and forth in the media. To give us an update, Camille Premit joins us. He's an intern at the Helen Sussman Foundation. And he wrote a very interesting article looking at uh, some of the challenges facing the commission. Good evening to you, Camille, and thank you so much for joining us. Good evening. Thank you very much for having me. And I hope your listeners had a good Easter Monday today. Uh, we hope so as well. Thank you so, so much. We are taking your calls. Any questions, comments? Maybe you need clarification from Camille with regards to the arms procurement commission. 891 is the number to dial. 891 or SMS 34701. SMS number is 34701 and SMSs are charged at two rand. Let's first of all focus on um, the commission and how it came about, Camille. The president, President Jacob Zuma announced that there would be an arms procurement commission. And this was yes. after the case had actually gone to the constitutional court. Yes. Um, what there was in the initial legal wranglings between uh, noted arms deal activist Terry Crawford Brown and President Zuma, the matter of whether or not President Zuma should have to establish an arms deal commission ended up in the constitutional court. Uh, interestingly, before the president had to answer the merits of that case in the constitutional court, I think President Zuma blinked and he ended up establishing the Arms Deal Commission, um, which is chaired by Mr. Justice Willie Sariti of the Supreme Court of Appeal. You say that President Jacob Zuma blinked, meaning what? Well, you see, the interesting legal position around this is that the president in his executive authority has the power as to whether or not to establish a commission of inquiry. And what Mr. Crawford Brown was attempting to establish through his legal proceedings was to say to the president, look here, Mr. President, there's a whole lot of evidence. There's been, you know, reams of newspaper articles that have been uh, generated about this. People have written books about this. There are very serious allegations of fraud and corruption. You have to apply your mind to this and establish a commission of inquiry to investigate what's going on. And President Zuma, I think, after having faced a very difficult time in the Constitutional Court, uh, which found he didn't apply his mind when he appointed uh, Mr. Menzies Milani as the National Director of Public Prosecutions, I think probably wanted to avoid another embarrassing uh, legal spanking at the hands of the Constitutional Court and then decided to agree with Mr. Crawford Brown and establish this Commission of Inquiry. Um, the problem, however, is that even though the Commission of Inquiry has been running for almost 18 months now and has been funded at the tune of 40 million rand of taxpayers' money, uh, the evidence which was supposed to be given by 14 star witnesses um, has now been delayed by three months or something like that because apparently the evidence leaders are being buried by the sheer amount and volume of evidence that is being turned out, um, which indicates possible wrongdoing in the arms deal commission. How realistic was it to expect that in 18 months, all these particular issues, the amount of evidence that even have multinationals um, yes. stumped will be dealt with like that? Well, I think that's an interesting question. Um, the way in which the commission is structured is that uh, very seasoned advocates from across the country have been recruited as evidence leaders within the commission and they are supported by evidence teams, you know, trained lawyers who know what they are doing. Um, I think it would be unreasonable for us to expect that within that period, you know, they'd get to the bottom of every single issue. Mm -hmm. And indeed, to some extent, uh, the commission has said that's why they've actually delayed because they have 
haven't gotten to the bottom of all these issues. But I think what's very important about the Arms Deal Commission is the way in which the commission has conducted its business with respect to uh, people like Mr. Crawford Brown, who've said to the Arms Deal Commission, some things need to happen. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about some of the allegations that sure. are coming through, even from uh, senior investigators, um, uh, with regard to how the commission has been conducting itself. I want to talk about uh, the allegations of cover-ups and uh, what is coming out with regards to that, but also just taking into account the sheer mass of information that is the arms deal. Yeah. How realistic is it to expect that we will have it wrapped up like that? That is the question that we're asking. We are getting an update on the Arms Procurement Commission and we're joined in the studio by our guest who is from the Helen Suzman Foundation and he's just updating us with regards to the latest developments around the Arms Procurement Commission of South Africa so far. We will be taking your calls, but right now though, time for the news with Greg Chaus. The Talk Shop. Is the talk shop on SAFM 104 to 107. I am Masachaba Mdolo. We're talking about the Arms Procurement Commission and we're joined by an intern at the Helen Suzman Foundation, Camille, and he is taking us through what the new developments or what uh, developments have taken place with regards to the Arms Procurement Commission. Camille Premed, intern at the Helen Suzman Foundation, joining us in the studio. Now, you were talking about um, some of the concerns that have come up, the questions that have been posed to uh, Judge Siriti. Take yes. us through some of them. Are they, are they to do with uh, the cases or are some of them about administration? Um, I think uh, you will find the questions are actually to do with both things. For example, one of the questions which has been posed to Judge Sariti by the Institute for Accountability quite plainly is, do you have any relatives, whether by blood or marriage, or on the staff or payroll of the APC? That's something which has to deal with the administration of it. Um, But however, it goes... Uh, on to legal matters. For example, another question is, why did Judge Sariti decline to summons Tony Blair when he was in the country? Of course, the British are implicated in, or not the British government, but certain British companies are implicated in possibly having made fraudulent and corrupt payments to people mm-hmm. in order to facilitate these deals. So the questions range on both administrative issues and legal issues. I think what is the central issue here, however, um, And what all these questions point to is two things, whether or not the learned judge is conducting himself according to the integrity we expect of him as a judge of our courts. And secondly, whether or not this mechanism, which was meant to make the arms deal accountable, is accountable itself. The non-answering of questions, the way in which Mr. Crawford Brown has been dealt with in the in in the media, the way I personally was dealt with when I was at the Arms Deal Commission uh, reading evidence, all indicates that this Arms Deal Commission is less than friendly to being open and transparent. And what's quite ironic about that is the motto of the Arms Deal Commission is accountability and transparency under the rule of law. And unfortunately, all these allegations, for as long as they are not answered properly and fully, make the Arms Deal Commission and anything it does an absolute joke. And that's a problem. 0891-104-207 is the number to dial to join our conversation with Camille Premed, intern at the Helen Suzman Foundation, giving us an update on the Arms Procurement Commission. Or you can SMS 34701. SMS number is 34701 and SMSs are charged at two rand. Camille, you talk about how you yourself were dealt with while giving evidence. Take us through that. 
not whilst giving evidence. Uh, Mr. Crawford Brown was summoned to the Arms Deal Commission in order to give evidence before it. And one of the conditions of his summons was to come and inspect documents at the Arms Deal Commission. Um, Mr. Crawford Brown, through the Institute for Accountability, when I was assisting them, asked me to help him as part of his legal team to go through to the commission and look at all these documents. And it was the most fascinating thing. On day one, I arrived there. I was given the royal treatment and I had tea brought through to me. The red carpet was rolled out and, you know, I was given access to all these files and I thought it was going to be smooth sailing. However, on the second day, the head of research at the commission, Advocate Fanyana Mdumbe, who's also in the employ of the Ministry of Justice, um, literally after the files were given to me so I could read them the second morning, uh, then came in and said, no, I was not going to be given access to these files. They had to be taken away. Certain procedures which were unknown to me had not been complied with, and that's why I wasn't going to be able to get access to these files. And the big problem with that is that I was there as part of a legal team in order to access documents that was allowing Mr. Crawford Brown to comply with the very terms of the summons given by the Arms Deal Commission. Yet now the Arms Deal Commission was blocking our attempts to do that. And whether or not it was done because there was a genuine miscommunication, a lack of understanding on the parts of the Arms Deal Commission as to their own summons, or whether or not they are operating, as Norman Moabi said, under a second agenda in order to protect certain politically connected people, I have no idea. But that's again another example of how this process is being made a mockery. So when you then ask for clarification with regard to accessing those documents. What came out? Well, what we ended up doing is uh, I'm very grateful for the fact that our senior counsel, uh, Paul Hoffman was on his way to Pretoria from Cape Town with Mr. Crawford Brown and I contacted him and we ended up marching into the offices of the Arms Deal Commission and laying out these arguments to them and saying, listen, it's your own summons which says we have to be here. You want us to assist you. You can't not tell us to do these documents. I know we even went so far so as to say to them, we will assist you in drafting a confidentiality agreement so that you know if you're worried that this information is going to leak, it won't. Um, and unfortunately what had happened in between you know my morning visit and then my subsequent afternoon visit is Fanyana was gone to Cape Town which is very odd I mean he sort of hightailed out of the offices and when we attempted to seek an audience with Judge Sariti to put these arguments to him directly Judge Sariti refused to see us under any circumstances and rather spoke through uh, to us through um, you know his his researchers who then had to act as go-betweens um, for us and that was just a really great indication of how poorly we were being treated. I mean, here we were trying to do what we were asked to do, and we were being stopped from doing that. Did you get the files at the end of the day? Did, did you get access yeah, to the We did end up getting nine lever arch files containing about 8,000 pages that mm-hmm. we had to read over five days. Um, but what's so sad about it is we only got access to that when we threatened Judge Sariti to sue him personally, along with the Arms Procurement Commission, for legally obstructing us to comply with the terms of a summons which he himself had, had issued. It's almost like you know being summoned to court and being asked to give evidence, and then when you rock up to court to give evidence, the judge says to you, no, I don't want you to give evidence, or no, I don't want you to say certain things, even though the things that you have to say is material and important to the matter that's being discussed in court. It really is unfortunate and ridiculous. You talk about uh, the um, 
Arms Procurement Commission and the number of people that have been re- that have been deployed there from the Justice and Constitutional yes. Development Department. Um, we're talking here about uh, lawyers. We're talking about two attending judges with uh, Judge Siriti yes. that are looking at uh, the terms and conditions of uh, the arms procurement. And one has to ask the question. When we look at uh, the allegations that have been made by Advocate Muabi, w- what is coming forth from these two other judges? What are they saying with regards to how the Arms Procurement Commission is being run? Well, you know, I think the other judges, irrespective of what their private feelings might be, are bound by brotherly collegiality and are not able to you know, break rank with Judge Sariti and the chain of command that exists within the Arms Deal But if we're talking about wrongdoing, how do you just sit quietly and what should happen when inevitably the truth will come out. Well, I, I don't want to get involved in the conversation about the other two judges because honestly, my dealings um, with the Arms Deal Commission have only been directly with Judge Sariti, or at least indirectly with Judge Sariti, where people in his office go between us, um, and Advocate Fanyana Mdumbe and other members of the professional staff to the Arms Deal Commission. I think you're right. I think that if there are questions about integrity and questions of whether or not, you know, um, there's certain wrongdoing that's happening, who is going to stand up in do this. And I think that what we've seen is that Mr. Crawford Brown and his legal team at the Institute for Accountability are becoming a lot more active on this subject mm-hmm. and are threatening um, and have written to the newspapers to say as much and are threatening that if the judge does not do um, what he is, uh, what is being asked of him, you know, in order to respond to these questions and to give meaningful reasons, then the judge might find himself at the receiving end of some very voluminous legal correspondence compelling him to do so. And we'll just have to wait and see. Um, I think what the implication of all of this is, however, is that this matter goes to the heart of our democracy. It is about the expenditure of 70 billion rands that according to the military themselves, was unnecessary. The equipment we bought was not fit for purpose and the equipment we bought wasn't even the best value for money. And this goes to the heart of our democracy because it's a question of who exchanged money with whom, how did, you know, what does the paper trail indicate and who was implicated and who has used their power in government or wherever they might have power in order to protect themselves or their friends. And that's why the integrity of this commission and how this commission is being conducted is vital as to whether or not we as the South African people come to terms with the Arms Deal Commission. We're talking to intern at the Helen Sussman Foundation, Camille Premet, joining us in the studio, updating us on the Arms Procurement Commission and uh, the concerns that come up, uh, some of the challenges that have already reared their head. We're taking your calls, 0891-104-207 or SMS us on 34701. SMS number is 34701 and SMSs are charged at two rand. Good evening to you, Mike in Durban, and welcome on to the talk shop. Oh, Hi, good Mike. evening to you, Mr. Shaga. Good it's evening, Mike sir. from Durban, Durban. Right, let's get on to the arms deal. Tony and Danny was caught with, with a four-by-four. He landed up in prison, yes. well, a prison hospital. Yes. A very comfortable well, served bed. served his sentence. Right. Then Taba and Becky, the president at that time, he also had a four-by-four. And the opposition asked a question in Parliament that Fini Jinwala, the speaker, said, you cannot ask this, the president that question. They wanted to know... Where did you get your 4x4 from? <laughs> that 4x4 disappeared off the face of the earth. 
Bob and Becky has a lot to answer over this arms wheel. You know, with the Germans and possibly the French. But Mike I'll in Durban, mm-hmm. I, I hear you with regards to who should be coming forth, who should be summoned to come in and uh, give evidence uh, to the commission. But the commission itself has made it very clear that this is only stage one of their investigations, that this is an ongoing process. And we haven't really heard anything from them with regards to them saying, OK, we're done now. Are we in a position to really be second guessing what uh, their findings will be when they haven't come out saying they're done yet? No, no, they haven't come out yet. And I, don't, I doubt if they'll ever come out. They're going to be squashed like everything else. But why? Why do you not look, believe look at, that this commission you, that is, you know, has access, eminent judges... Access to information. Uh, the Deputy President, William Tausi, and uh, Minister Susulu have said that every citizen has a right to information. Mm. I've, I've got a problem in Durban where we're trying to get the corruption report into the Etiquini municipality, mm-hmm. the Manasi report. We're trying to get the Ingabani report. They refuse to to give it to the people. Okay, I hear you, Mike. Mike, in Durban, this issue of access to information and the Access to Information Act needs to be uh, spoken about at greater length. Maybe we will do a standalone show just looking at that act. We have touched upon it when talking about uh, whistleblowers and protecting of whistleblowers. But I think in terms of getting access to information, um, just by the way, we are talking here about a commission that has two other judges sitting with Judge Siriti. We're talking about a uh, Judges Hendrik Musi and Francis Lechodi. We are taking your calls and I'm going to be um, just getting a uh, uh, an update from Camille, especially with regards to the Access to Information Act, what came out with regards to the use of that piece of legislation um, in getting the information that is needed. But also, are we not prejudging what has not come out with regards to the findings of the commission itself? Silo in Mokopani, good evening to you and welcome. Thanks for taking my call, Peter. Thanks for calling that. I'll, I'll pick up, okay, I will pick up from where Mike said. Mike said, um, uh, 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 you know, this commission says from my look and I think Mike's look and other people's. It is so uh, amazing. How can you um, set up a commission whereby they can investigate yourself and then you expect, and then you, you expect the nation that the truth will come out from that. That's highly impossible to see. The truth about the until I think we will die, most of us, not knowing what's really going on. If you can read the book by, 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 by the man who was sharing Scopa, who was working there in the parliament about this until mm-hmm. Andrew Fantin, mm. after the party, mm. you'll find a, 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 a whole lot of, 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 of information and I think uh, a lot of evidence from that book. But then the, the question comes, how long does we have as a nation to wait for the, for, 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 for the findings of, um, of Amstel? It's going to take years and years. Children are, are in the trick now since this Amstel started. Do you think Judge Sereti will finally come up with the solution? People will call up. I doubt that they will. Read my lips. I'm telling you, you will tell me one day we will never, ever Sello, let me just, just okay. get clarity yes. on this. Are you saying that you believe that there is information that is being suppressed by the commission itself? Definitely. Look what happened. The people, the judges, 
I'm not sure who is the gentleman, the one who were, who went to, to just read it to find it, to, to get the document, lots of documents, and so that he can read. He yes. was things that, uh, 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 what, compelled to sign things that you don't want to do. What does it tell us that? And okay. then they come up and then they, they write, someone let, someone read a letter last week, I think, on the newspaper saying, you know what, those people, they are lying, what really happened is this and that. So, uh, you know, it is really upsetting to do for the, I think this is just something, uh, uh, we, have, we have been making an idiot. Okay, all right. So, in, in Mukupani, thank you very much for the call. Mukhale in Bulugwani, I'm going to let my guest, Camille uh, Premid, respond. He's an intern at the Helen Sussman Foundation, and uh, we're getting an update on the Arms Procurement Commission. This is after he wrote an article detailing his concerns around the commission itself, how it's being uh, conducted, and also some of the issues that keep rising up with re- regards to how speedily issues are being resolved. I've got uh, a couple of SMSs coming in. You're very welcome to join our conversation on 0891-104-207, 0891-104-207, or SMS 34701. SMS number is 34701, and SMSs are charged at two rand. Mukhale, good evening to you and welcome in Bulugwan. Good evening. How are you? Thanks for Very well, thank you, Dad. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, I just want to be quick. You see, I'm surprised that m- many people now are already doubting the integrity of the commission because I think as South Africans, we need to give this commission a chance to do its work without interfering because we don't have any reason to doubt the, the commission. Many people have been complaining about the arms deal, saying there was a corruption here and there, making unsubstantiated, unsubstantiated uh, allegations. I think this commission will allow and afford an opportunity to all those people who have doubted the arms deal to come to the open and say here is evidence of corruption consider it but so far people are just complaining but they are not coming with concrete evidence because it's easy to make allegations and say no there was corruption in the arms deal but without concrete evidence of corruption i think people are either coming forward to say here's the proof of corruption or they should shut up because right now people are already complaining but they are not even saying we are doubting the commission because of one, two, three. So if people have got genuine concerns about corruption in the arms deal, this is the opportunity that they've okay. been waiting for to come forward and say, here's the evidence of uh, corruption. Okay. Mukhale and Bulugwani, we'll find out from uh, Camille with regards to those who are coming forward and saying, here is the evidence. Uh, what is uh, coming out from that? Um, I'm looking at uh, an SMS that is coming in, and it says uh, the innate problem with the commission is that it was initiated by President Zuma, and yet he had an essential role in the actual procurement of the weapon. So surely the findings will always be very skewed just by the nature of such a commission and how it was constructed. So surely we need to have a commission initiated by the opposition party. Is it about politicking, Camille? Is it uh, about, no, this was initiated by Jacob Zuma, so therefore we will never ever get the facts, as said by Mike and Durban, as well as Sullo in Mukubani. Will we only uh, believe that the commission is true to its mandate if it is uh, uh, set up by the opposition? Um, well, unfortunately, or even by Terry Crawford Brown himself. Well, you see, I, th- I think the Mukhale probably identified the right uh, the right problem here, and that is that you know people have been complaining about the arms deal and potential corruption in the arms deal, and now seem to be complaining about you know the commission itself. And his suggestion is, well, if you were complaining about corruption, let the arms deal commission do its work, and then you'll you'll have your answers. The problem which he fails to understand is that. 
in the interactions between witnesses, between the general public, between concerned members of the legal fraternity and the commission, that interaction has made people doubt whether or not this commission will bring about the type of correct, accurate and... Uh, but is it the interaction or is it who initiated this commission? I think because again, we go back to as long as it's initiated by the president of South Africa, who has been um, drawn in or tainted in the arms yeah. deal uh, issue, then we will always question. The question is, will we believe that the commission is true to its mandate yeah. if it's initiated you by see, the opposition you party? You see, I think... I think the opportunity that exists here is that, and this goes back to my original point, is that if Judge Sariti, as head of the commission, was answering the questions that are being put to him, if he answered in substance the serious allegations which were put to him um, in the resignation letter of Norman Moabi, and if he dealt with things like the resignation of other researchers such as Kate Painting, perhaps people would have more faith in the commission itself and wouldn't care that President Zuma and uh, and even though he's implicated in fraud and corruption, set up the commission. Unfortunately, because the way in which the commission is operating at this present time is leaving people with a bad taste in their mouth, the automatic conclusion that they jump to is that, well, this commission, irrespective of its finding, is going to be protecting the president because the president himself was implicated in these types of findings. I think that you know, some people say that perhaps the, the, the critics of the commission are prejudging. I don't think that's the case. Seven books have been written about the arms deal subject. You know, the arms deal in your pocket, the one by Andrew Feinstein, the one by Renette Talliard. There are lots of books detailing in lots and lots of pages what went wrong with the arms deal. What is the point of calling in these 14 witnesses merely to restate what they've already said in court papers, in books, in radio and TV interviews? All of the, their evidence points fingers at the ANC and at certain people within the ANC and who have links to the ANC which need to be answered. Why are we wasting public time and public money establishing what we already know only so then possibly we could go after the people who have the real questions to answer? And I think that's also frustrating people a lot is that they are prejudging because they don't see the real hard questions being put to the people that those questions need to be put to. The issue of concrete evidence. Yeah. Are we seeing concrete evidence being handed in to the commission? Are we seeing the commission snowed under by concrete evidence as opposed to, as said by Mukhali, the allegations? Well, you know, that's the interesting thing is that if the allegations made by these authors in the seven books that they've written by various other people who've accused the ANC of being corrupt by international reports, which have also found that there was corruption between the South African government and foreign companies, um, I think that the people who would have been implicated in the fraud and corruption would have sued for defamation. Uh, we know that in this country, people sue for defamation for a whole lot less if they're depicted in cartoons and all sorts of things. So I think the fact that these people, myself included now, have the ability to make these claims and face no serious legal repercussions indicates, perhaps on the part of the people who should be you know, trying to defend themselves, that there is possible wrongdoing. I think that, um, it, and the other thing that I must say is that mm. I wish I could speak more freely. I am subject to a confidentiality agreement, which limits my ability to discuss documents that I have seen. But I sincerely hope that when the evidence period of the Arms Procurement Commission does start, and when Mr. Terry Crawford-Brown is able to give evidence, he is able to put definitively 
in the public arena what he has seen, which may or may not indicate possible corruption. Um, I know I'm speaking legalese at the moment, and I have to do that. Uh, and I hope that my ability to do so stresses how very important this issue is uh, and what evidence may or may not exist that may or may not indicate corruption on the part of certain individuals. May or may not exist, may or may not indicate. I love it when uh, the legal experts come in and uh, subject us to the maze and may not. But um, again, the issue here becomes when we talk about the Arms Procurement Commission, Yes. what will work for those who are um, of the belief that Judge Siriti is not the best person for this? Well, I think a good way to start is in it this about process. getting rid of Judge Siriti completely and starting from scratch? Is it about bringing on board um, the very critics that have been very vocal yeah. against the arms deal? Um, maybe including even uh, Mr. Crawford Brown himself in as part of the commission? Well, what would work? Well, you see, the critics, the so-called critics, already part of the arms deal commission. They're going to be given giving evidence to the arms deal commission. No, we're talking about the commission itself yeah, the, and, the, and the, the makeup of the commission. You see, the, well, obviously, the problem with that is the people who are then going to be implicated in wrongdoing are going to say well these people have an agenda and that you know they can't be trusted they're not impartial so why are you involving them in the commission I think it is important for us to trust the judiciary with this matter I think that the people who are criticizing Judge Sariti are not criticizing Judge Sariti because they don't like him or because you know they I don't know have issues with him or whatever the case is I think they are criticizing Judge Sariti because there are very serious questions which need to be answered with respect to his competence and his integrity and his ability Ability to lead this arms procurement commission. I think if Judge Sariti were to answer the 13 questions which remain unanswered in a meaningful way, that would go some way to assuring people about the, you know, the arms deal commission. I think that if Judge Sariti were to respond more fully to Mr. Norman Moabi, he would also go some way in making people feel better about the possible findings that the commission would make. But I think that if Judge Sariti, and this is a, probably a very important point, fails to do in both those things, either you know, someone is going to try and forcibly remove him through legal action or any finding that the commission makes. And because the commission will bear his name as the Sariti Commission will just be doubted, as your second caller, Cello, said. You know, he said, you know, we're not going to believe this because mm. all these people are just in it together and uh, they're going to be looking after each other. And I think that's the important thing. But Judge Sariti will say that he did respond to uh, uh, Advocate Moabi's uh, allegations. Well, he, he, he says that he responded to Advocate, uh, to Mr. Moabi, attorney Mr. Moabi's yes, uh, yes, allegations. Mr. But, I mean, Mr. Mowabi went one step further. We're talking about a senior attorney who has been practicing law for well over 10 years, um, challenging Judge Sariti to a lie detector test to verify whether or not the quote Mr. Mr. Mowabi attributed to Sariti was actually said by him. I mean, we're not talking about people who are playing games here. You don't stake your entire legal reputation and legal career on such a brash move as it okay. were. Okay, there are those who've seen that as a, a publicity, as grandstanding. But then again, like you say, we are talking here about someone with a track record in the legal field. Yeah. And one has to ask, uh, would they put that to uh, the test, would they jeopardize 
the hard work over the years. But yeah. then again, we are talking here about judges. Judge Siriti, Judge Hendrik Musi, uh, Judge Francis Lehodi, and the very eminent uh, personnel making up the Procurement Commission. I've got a, an SMS that comes in, and we definitely need to get uh, uh, our guest back in. Camille Primet will definitely be back in. And uh, as, uh, the, uh, unf- as uh, the developments of the Arms Procurement Commission unfold, because this is definitely something that we need to be on top of to understand where it's coming from, how it's happening, and also to get on top of the legalese. Sure. Um, some of the legal issues that are coming out. Um, An SMS came in saying, I'm very close to Judge Siriti and I can say that he was not able to summons Tony Blair because it was not in his powers to summons. Well, uh, I'm not entirely sure if that is the case. If Judge Siriti had no power to summons anyone, why on earth is it that 14 witnesses, including uh, Mr. Crawford Brown, have been summoned to the commission? But these are South in order Africans, to give let's issue. be realistic. Yeah, he's uh, South Africans, but let's not forget, at the time that we're talking about, Mr. Blair was in the country, and so summons was able to be served on him. Okay. I, I don't want to bore yeah, your... But in, in your pers- yeah. yeah, I don't want to bore your listeners, you know, with the uh, laws of civil procedure and whether or not you can serve someone's or whatever. But is, is a commission um you know when you look at the laws of civil procedure and that are the same rules applying in a court of law applying with a commission well you see the commission is established in terms of the commission's act Mm -hmm. that's uh the act which governs how a commission is established and it's done via presidential decree now even though uh, it is not a court of law in the sense that it doesn't have the same powers of a court of law, it does have limited powers in terms of its terms of reference. In the terms of reference that were given uh, to Judge Sariti, he had the power and is empowered to summons any person who is implicated in being involved in the arms deal. Uh, in the arms deal, and you know, if regardless they were, of who they regardless are, anywhere in the are, world and the positions re- that they've held, regardless of who they are, positions that they've held, or whatever the case is. And I mean, if we're to look at the operation of other commissions in other parts of the world. I think given we're talking about Tony Blair, the United Kingdom is a great example. Um, If we look at the recent Chilkut inquiry, which looked at the Iraq war Mm -hmm. and the Leveson inquiry, which looked at, you know, media regulation, um, those uh, commissions have taken up their their mandate with quite some gusto and have summonsed a whole lot of people, uh, whether they've been in the UK or not. I mean, even if it was difficult to ask Mr. Blair to come and appear before the commission, a letter could have been written to Mr. Blair and said, Dear Mr. Blair, please explain your role in the Arms Deal Commission. Okay. Yours sincerely, Judge Sariti. But that didn't happen. I'd be very interested to uh, see the developments as they unfold, especially with regards to the leading of evidence and uh, the, uh, uh, if it happens, the testimony. If it happens. You reckon? If it happens. Is it a big if? Uh, after all this money that's been spent, after this whole rigmarole, after the focus on the arms deal, the, uh, the, it cannot be an if. Well, I hope it's not an if. I it's would like to think Camille, that this is... Camille, I'd like to hope that it is not an if. Camille Primid, intern at the Helen Sussman Foundation, joining us, updating us on the n- latest developments regarding to the Arms Procurement Commission. We look forward to getting you back in here again. Thanks very much, Ms. Charlie. Thank you.